Welcome to Pieces Gap Fest, a chapter-by-chapter, page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Meigs. And today we are analyzing Chapter 15, Aragog, which is an hour and 42 minutes to an hour and 51 minutes of the film. Before we start gabbing, a quick spoiler warning. We will be using our vast knowledge of the Wizarding World to compare the page to the screen, and we may gab about moments that happen later in the books or the films. So, you've been warned, Ickle Firsties. Before we begin, a message from the Daily Prophet. Hey, Ickle Firsties. Since news has started to roll in about the upcoming show, we have added a new segment to our Daily Prophet section. It used to be just ads, so make sure you don't fast forward and listen to our news section. So we have some news. Our good friend Jay Sisson from Multiverse News (laughs) sent this over to us um, almost like immediately after this news broke. But from Variety, the first installment of the Harry Potter TV series is targeted to hit the max streaming service in 2026. And we, we knew that they expect it to span seven seasons, which means each book will get its own season. Um, Zaslav, which is the CEO of Warner brothers discovery, David Zaslav, um, HBO Max content boss Casey Blois and the chairperson of Warner Brothers Television, Channing Dungji, all went to London to meet with JKR about the direction of the show. Zaslav also confirmed that casting has not yet begun. They want to nail down a showrunner first. I guess some rumors have been going around that they've started casting, but that is not true. So how do we feel about all of the pieces starting to fall together? Unknown. Obviously, it feels good. (laughs) You just want to get a show writer first? A showrunner? James? Yeah, I mean, I I like how they're trying to take their time with it and stuff like that. But like, at the same time, I'm it's unknown to me because it's just you know it's just the beginning it's just like they're trying to get it all together so like i'm not sure if i should be excited yet or if i should just be like yeah that's just part of the normal process of production you know like i deal with i i do that stuff every day to the point like it's it's normal to get a team put together if when you want to start producing something like that's the whole beginning of whether it's a play a tv show or a movie you got to get your team figured out and what you want to do and so yeah, showrunners are going to come before the cast and all this other stuff. Like, it's great that people are are like saying, "Ooh, I want this and this and this," and we're doing that ourselves, right? But yeah. <laughs> um, it it to me is just like, oh yeah, they're meeting with J.K. Rowling. That's normal. Like, that's cool. The date though makes me excited because that means we have like an actual goal of when this is going to get hit by, and that that's something we can look forward to. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What excites me the most about the fact that they're meeting with JKR, though, is that, you know, we know they've been interviewing the writers and hearing their pictures. So I feel like they've maybe narrowed down three to five pitches that they're now taking to JKR and saying, here's, you know, the three that we like, or maybe he even hears the one that we like. What do you think? Like they need her okay first. 
Um, so it, I feel like this is kind of like they've narrowed down who they want to be the showrunner. And once everybody's gotten that approval, then they can start the next steps. And that's what's exciting to me about this news. It's Quidditch season and planning for faster, efficient hydration is essential. Why, we don't want anyone falling off their brooms from dehydration. Liquid IV has you covered while you prep during Wood's speeches, power through the game, and recover in the common room afterwards. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of traditional potions. Which, I mean, from the few samples that they have given us, I can say I'm efficiently hydrated. Though I have been drinking more water uh, as of late, which is definitely something new for for me, for sure. Because my new goal is to be drinking um, three 40-ounce cups of water. So, And Liquid IV really helps with that because... Water can get boring, but the flavors are a lot of fun. I have tried the um, lemon-lime one, the cherry, the grape, the sea berry, and the guava. And I have to say guava is my favorite so far, followed by the cherry and then the sea berry. Sea berry definitely, I remember, was like one of those flavors that kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, whoa, that's ter- that's different. Like. Uh, I really yeah, appreciated that berry. one. Yeah. Well, and it just gets you in the habit of drinking more water in general. So it helps with kind of overall hydration, even if you don't have any more liquid IV on hand or something. So one stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than any other potion and comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep you your hydration routine exciting. Made with premium ingredients and contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV is non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world and has partnered with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code GABFEST to check out. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code GABFEST at liquidiv.com. And that code is G-A-B-F-E-S-T. Gabfest at liquidiv.com. Welcome back, listeners. I must kick today's discussion off with the obvious <laughs> loss from the page to the screen. And that would be the Hufflepuffs, especially Mr. Ernie's apology. Mm-hmm. I have that written in my notes. I knew you were going to say that. As soon as I read it, I was <laughs> like, Sarah Day is going to bring this up <laughs> so hard. Especially after we knocked on him for being so mean and devilish. He's 100% still super gossipy in this scene, though. <laughs> but he does apologize. <laughs> Which we can accept. We'll accept right. that for sure. 
It's funny how he like moves straight to Draco after that. He was like, I mean, like Draco should have been like the obvious answer for everybody. But now he's like, oh, I bet it's Draco now. And Ron's like rolling his eyes. <laughs> and Harry just goes, no, it's not with no explanation. And they just don't they don't even question him. But anyway, James, there's no deleted scene about this. Uh, there is a deleted <laughs> scene, but it's not with Ernie McMillan. No. Uh, any Hufflepuffs? No. Uh. <laughs> to, to be honest, it's the last deleted scene of the movie. And so we don't get any more after this. But it's pretty lame. Uh. So it's a sad one to end on for sure. It's not really epic or anything. But it is for this chapter. Yes, it is for this chapter. And it involves a part of the book that wasn't adapted into the film. So it's like, it's in the book, it happens. So it's not like it was an additional <gasps> thing that people created. It's an actual thing that happened in the book. It just was cut out. Is it the first time the car comes back? Yes. Okay, because I had that as one of my peeves because we're jumping ahead here. <laughs> but um, I had two peeves for this chapter and um, that the car coming back before they see the spiders was my peeve because they cut it from the film and it makes it seem so random that the car finds them in the movie. Like how did he, like he just appears out of nowhere, but in the book he, they find each other before they go see the spiders. And it's almost like the car followed them to make sure they were safe in the forbidden forest. So when he shows back up to save them from the spiders and I say he, like it's a sentient being, but um, the car, is already there. Yeah. So essentially the deleted scene is just, is exactly how it is in the book. It's them walking through the forest and then some, the car moves and they're just like, what is it? And then it shines a light on them. And it's like, Harry, it's our car. And just like the forest turned it wild. And they were just like, Oh, we got to keep going. And so they, they keep walking into the forest. Yeah. That's about it. Ugh. Like I can kind of understand why, thing. Like, I can kind of understand why they cut it, but at the same time, it really didn't make any big difference, which is why it's, like, such a lame one to end on, because it wasn't really mm -hmm. that big of a deal. Like, like that's the last deleted scene. Like, come on. We could have we yeah. done better. Well, we'll see what happens in the next three chapters. I think there's three. No. Yeah. I think there's three chapters left. Um and so we'll see how the film compares to the chapters and if we think anything else should have been there. Oh, I I already <sighs> feel like this is spiraling into a, a little thing. I want to first start off with just like the one thing I liked about this adaptation that made sense to me <laughs> was cutting like having them go straight from Hagrid's hut to following the spiders. That transitionally made sense to me. I love the fact that the TV show is going to get the opportunity to explore life at Hogwarts without Dumbledore or Hagrid around yeah. because that's just like extra content. So that's going to be great. But I am totally miffed and peeved to like, I have to use peeve. Like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> We're on peeves gab fest. So I'm totally peeved that we don't get ron's like bravery journey kind of scenario because mm -hmm. 
Ron is super scared of spiders. We're very well aware of this. And in the movie, it makes him sound like he is like this baby of a scaredy cat kind of scenario. And he's whining the entire time. But the book, it the movie missed the essential part of the book where it's like he's building up to this, that this was also his idea that he was in on this idea to follow the spiders. He's doing this for Hermione. They need to figure this puzzle out. He bravely chooses to go, go because during the, the entire day, they just they they found spiders heading to the forbidden forest they're like we need to get this done and he chooses to go into it and he's putting on a brave face and he's being brave the entire time it's not it's only until like they actually are attacked by the spiders does he kind of freak out within reason uh i would freak out too if giant spiders were attacking me uh but it, it totally takes away ron's bravery arc and just makes him a bumbling buffoon and i'm just more upset about the fact that ron's just not getting any good choices now and every time i look at these movies i'm gonna be like ron was given the blunt end of the stick and they just decided Mm -hmm. to make him a silly character and i'm never gonna be able to see him the same that i've saw him in the past because in the past i always liked ron's character i think rupert did a really great job and rupert grint is not to be responsible for any of the character choices that were made he was a child being directed to make these choices somebody else is at fault but they basically ruined ron's character for me and so now i now i need ron to be a better character in the tv show i need somebody to be able to show all of the aspects of Ronald Weasley in in all of it in, in, in his full entire character because he needs to have that focus to show that he's not just the wacky friend who is the comic relief. Yeah, and they they really changed all three characters' personalities, like core personalities in the films. And so it will it'll be fun to see. You know, we've talked many times about how they've taken Harry's sassiness away. They've changed Ron to be this comedic relief. And then they've given all of the good qualities to Hermione and taken away all of her negative qualities because everybody, you know, it's not black and white. We all live in this gray area. So hopefully the show can bring these book accurate characters to life. Yeah. I think it'll be um, really great to see how they are able to, keep that character depth when they create the show. I think it's, they're going to be able to keep them a lot closer to how they were written. I really don't have another segue. So if you guys have thoughts, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I actually didn't write very much. um, Don't have very many notes for this chapter. The the notes that I have are in the montage. (laughs) Yeah. Everything that they cut out. What is your montage for the chapter? Oh, just just like at Hogwarts. Just life at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. What I specifically wrote down was um, Lockhart being happy while the other teachers are upset. I think oh, that that yeah. is a, such an interesting dynamic um, and very characteristic of Lockhart and just like keeps, you know, giving that the further depth to like the difference. And he's just so delusional and not able to <laughs> 
read the room at all. And and as children, you know, they're noticing that. And so I think that that's a, an important dynamic to keep in the show. And um, Draco, when he's like simpering to Snape and he's like, sir, why don't you apply to oh, be headmaster? Right. <laughs> we need all of that. Uh, yeah, that also made me think about how what we've talked about, how obviously Alan Rickman is amazing and what what Alan Rickman did to the type of Snape that he was portraying, he did a fantastic job, but it's not very book accurate. And so like this little scene between Draco and Snape just made me think about, um, I'm just so curious to see what they do with Snape's character in the TV show, because, you know, Snape is like, Snape is a lot more immature in the books than in the films that they created you know they adapted his character in a different way so i hope that in the the tv show they keep him super mature (laughs) i'm i'm not sure about mature in in the regards of i'm i don't know maybe i'm thinking about mature differently than you are because to me i feel like snape is a little bit more What's the word I'm looking for? There's a specific word. An asshole? I mean, you said it, not me. But that's not necessarily what I'm aiming for. He's a little bit more... Complex. I don't want to say, like, sporadic, but, like, I I envision him a little bit more loud, a little bit more um, emotional than Alan Rickman's Snape was. Yeah, I I, I don't know if charismatic is the right word either. I know, that's why I'm trying to figure out the word because that word describes it perfectly, but I can't think of it. It's so frustrating. I'm going to like remember it when it's like nine o'clock at night tomorrow or like two o'clock in the morning, who knows. But like, I never really thought of him as like mature in the regards to his his responsibilities as a teacher. Cause like when I read his character and the reactions he shows, it, it, it gives off the vibes of like, he he's outbursting. Sometimes he's, I, I do imagine him yelling uh, at in, in certain intervals in the book and he's raising his voice. And I do imagine him snily kind of in like, kind of enjoying the moment of, uh, kids squirming and, and, and all that kind of stuff it, 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 because he has power and he's using it. He likes making other people feel like what he felt when he was a kid because he's dishing it back basically, which is terrible when you consider what he's doing to children. Uh, you shouldn't be dishing out your trauma to other people's, <laughs> to other people's children, but that's exactly what he's doing. He's because he, he was treated that way by a, quite a bit of people, he feels like he's in a position where he can start treating others that way. So he enjoys other people's um, other people's failures. He enjoys other people struggling. He enjoy he he's enjoying that because he's like, aha! Like, what can you do? You can't do anything. Like, I have all the power. Kind of scenario. And it's a little dark to kind of think of that. Think of it that way. But that's the that's the book accurate Snape for me is that he, he's a lot more. I'm never going to think of that word. 
animated. He's a lot more animated. He is a lot more into the event that is going on, whether that's being uh, intimidating or whether that's uh, being um, like enjoying the moment of like when Harry and Ron got caught, he was gloating so much that that was a gloating moment for Snape in the book. But in the movie, we get more of a you idiots kind of Snape, which Alan Rickman pulled off really well. But in the book, he's gloating because he's like, I got you guys and you guys are going to like have severe consequences. If I was the headmaster, I would have expelled you. But obviously that's not in my power to do it. Like I can see him explaining these things being overly dramatic with with the situation because that's what he's doing so that that to me is snape and it, and, and so to me that doesn't translate mature <laughs> uh, you know what i mean so i i feel like there's tendencies that are just not truly mature for that snape before you rebuttal meigs i want to say i what i was trying to google words to figure out what you were trying to say. And I giggled the opposite of, and I put majestic because I'm thinking Alan Rickman. When I think of Alan Rickman, I think majestic. And I was like, what's the opposite of that? And it's not it's not going to work, but I thought it fit Snape so perfectly. <laughs> but Google says the opposite of majestic is pitiful and pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> not the words I was looking for, but yes, definitely. <laughs> they fit. Okay, homework for the listeners. What words would you use to describe the Snapes? So yeah, I don't know. Do, I don't know if you have like a rebuttal meigs or anything like that, but that's just my thoughts when you said that. Not really. I don't think I like, yeah, I don't have any, um, my feelings aren't strong enough to yeah. fight about it. I, I think like <laughs> I you guys are both onto something and to kind of tie your yeah. two points together. I think movie Snape and Alan Rickman is just m- poised and that's just the way Alan Rickman is. Um, and he does like he, his, and who knows, you know, he himself, Alan Rickman knew the end game for Snape, but the writers and the directors didn't. Um, so it is interesting to see that they did make him so much more empathetic um, than the book Snape is. Um, but yeah, so Alan Rickman is just more of a poised character opposed to the book Snape. Well, I also can't picture Alan Rickman playing Snape the way that the book has him written. Right. You know, he like so I think that I think for being a character that Alan Rickman is portraying, it was amazing. I've never seen Alan Rickman in something where he didn't just totally kill it. But if we're keeping with the more um, more animated version of Snape that's closer to the books, Alan Rickman is not the right person to play that. Off the top of our heads, can we think of anybody that gives that kind of performance in anything that we've seen recently? Like any Marvel villains, but like the performance of Alan Rickman, like no, how we envision the book Snape should be. Oh, how we envision the book Snape. The closest I come to is, and and he was my he was my casted choice for in the casting episode, uh, is Luke Evans Gaston. To me, 
how Luke Evans portrayed Gaston is exactly very similarly how Snape would react to those situations. I'll have to watch it again because, you know, like when I think of Gaston, I think of cocky and I do not think of cocky when I think of Snape, but I, I can see, I, I understand where you're coming from from the animated aspect, but um, I'd have to go back and watch the film and see if I can tone down the cockiness to see if I could see him playing like that character being Snape. Snapey. Because <laughs> Snape's whole thing is that he's very um, insecure. Mm-hmm. Well, so is Gaston. No, he's cocky AF. <laughs> I don't know. I think that cockiness is a... Is like the cockiness is just like a a curtain to hide the insecurity factor. A lot of guys do things like what Gaston is doing because they're trying to hide their insecurities. They don't like to look weak. They don't like to be rejected. They don't like when people tell them no. So they do all these things that they can do, like build up their muscles or uh, be really good at. Uh, be really good at sports or be really good at this or be really good at that to compensate for the fact that they're not good for other things. But that's how you would describe Snape. Yeah. What was Snape's entire life, like childhood and to, to his life? He failed in a lot of things and he had no, to I would I would to- describe Snape as insecure for sure, but not a Gaston insecure like there's no. two types of insecurities <laughs> the one I told like, you mask it with he's using his potions professor position to be cocky towards the children that's cockiness to be cocky towards the children <laughs> <laughs> well i mean who else is he gonna be cocky to no it's just the else? way that you said it was funny <laughs> I'm having a blast listening to you to talk about this, so keep going. <laughs> I would just have to watch it again. I don't get Gaston vibes from Snape when I read the book, but I'd have to go back and watch it because when I think of Gaston, I think of the animated film and not the live action because I've seen that well, yeah. times. If so the animated to- film is a completely different thing. Luke Evans portrays Gaston in a completely different venue. The animated version of Gaston is completely off the menu. I Did we don't just compare him podcast? to Snape. Maybe. I don't know. But either way, just like an- animated Didn't Gaston does not compare. Of Gaston, though? What'd you say? Didn't you say Luke Evans' portrayal of Gaston, though? Yeah. But the animated Gaston is different than luke evans gaston oh luke evans brings things to the character gaston that brings it in a different light than the animated version of gaston i i'm i don't even remember who i chose (laughs) (laughs) i I think saturday chose um uh, pulling up what's his bucket the guy from game of thrones oh james snow john snow Sarah Day chose Jon Snow, I chose Luke Evans, and I can't remember who you chose. Well, I stand by that choice. I think he'd be a good Snape. See, here, okay, I, here's my fan cast. 
Snape. Yeah, I did have Kit Harrington. Good memory, James. But then I told you that Jon Snow would be a better Sirius Black. And I stand by that. Mm, I could see that. I, I remember agreeing with you back then, but... <laughs> I think... <laughs> but I think I do like Kit Harrington as Snape. But not anywhere near his Jon Snow. Like, it would have to be a completely different performance. No, yeah. It would have to be a different performance. Which he could do. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I don't know. Like I, like I said, I'm trying to think of any villains, like any recent Marvel villains that I've seen that could be that, like, Snapey type of character. But Snapey. Where, where is our fan casting thing? I did a whole spreadsheet on it, didn't I? Possibly. I remember oh, a spreadsheet dear. being involved because we were counting points of who was winning and who was losing. Oh, that's Maybe right. I ended up doing because we all chose like which one would have been the best one. Spook says, "Do you did you know out of more than forty three thousand spider species in the world, only around thirty have been responsible for human death?" I still don't like them. Good for them. Still hate them all. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that I wasn't terrified of spiders because it's annoying because they're everywhere. I know. They really are. Um, I try to not think about it. I saw a spider recently climb into my bed, like underneath the mattress, like a big chunky one. And I was like, I I don't know what to to do. Yeah. So I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to find it again. I can't sleep forever oh, in the spare bedroom. Oh, no, yeah. You can yeah. never sleep in that bed again. <laughs> and I always, always have nightmares about spiders. Whenever somebody, like, mm. talks about them or if I see one or anything, always have nightmares about spiders killing me. Like, giant Aragog-sized spiders killing me. And yeah. so I'm just like... <gasps> I've only Ugh. had one spider dream, and that is when I took the fear and magic class in college. And Brag. we watched a Japanese horror film, and it's like a spider woman where she she turns into a spider and like eats men. And mm. um, I had a dream nice. then, <laughs> like a nightmare about I, I was I turned into the spider woman. Um, oh my God. And so but my fear is not that deep. Um, I don't have recurring nightmares about spiders. I just don't like the way they move. Like if I see one in nature, and it's just still fine, be on your way. But I when they start to move, that's that what creeps nice. me out. And it's also um no, they can't get in my house. If they're in my house, then I'm still – I'm like, no, no, smush. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I also don't like the way crabs move. And I think it's the same kind of like multi-leg scurry. I just – oh, it's so creepy. I don't like it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This this part of the movie, this part of the book, especially with these damn illustrated books that have spiders <laughs> all over the place. I'm like, what are you doing? Yes, God, the Mina like, Lima. Put a little trigger warning on it. Or put, I know like, they a, should. Um, oh, that's like, so funny. Speaking it. of trigger warning, <laughs> speaking of trigger warning, I don't know, James, Uh-oh. if you noticed this, but I just recently downloaded um, Hogwarts Legacy to my Switch. And in the settings, before you get started, the last little like line of settings is arachnophobia. You can turn it on or off. Oh, my God. That's actually. And I love that. That's a really smart of them to do that because this is like a huge part of the storyline and and the movie. And then with they just like keep going with it, like with these illustrated books, like it's literally if if y'all haven't seen them, it is like 
images of spiders covering the pages. And I'm like, okay, we don't need to do that. (laughs) I get that that's like a part of the the story, but like, I don't think that we need to see all of that. (laughs) And so I appreciate that they have an arachnophobia setting. That's nice. Yeah, I agree with you. The Mina Lima version had the spiders, like a trail of spiders on every page on this chapter. And so did the... um, the Jim the K illustrated. illustration ones. Yeah. Oh my God. More so because the Mina Lima ones are a little bit more of like a 2D style. And then Jim, K- I mean, Jim K is still 2D because it's a page on a book, but you know what I mean? Where there's like a lot yeah. more depth and yeah. coloring and stuff. And so the, the spiders are yeah. even more pronounced. And I'm like, all right, Jim, let's cool it here with It's these funny that you mentioned that though, because. When I was looking through the Mina Lima reading the chapter, um, I was like, why did they give them shadows to make it look like they're coming off the page? If they didn't do that, maybe I'd be okay. But they, you know, the way they did the shadows makes it look like they're coming off the page. I'm like, oh, this sucks. And it's like the way I'm holding the book, I had to hold my thumbs on a spider. I'm like, I hate this. It's so creepy. <laughs> it is awful. This is why I just read the regular version. <laughs> I should have this. You guys are torturing yourselves over here, and I'm just like casually <laughs> reading like the original book I got like years ago, and all of a sudden, like, <laughs> I could just picture us like, okay, the three of us are sitting on a couch. James, you have your original <laughs> copy of the book, just you know, breezing through the chapter, and then Meeks and I are here with Mina Lima in the illustrated version, just like sweating buckets reading the book. <laughs> seriously yeah and then it's it's like the music while james is reading is all like sunshine and rainbows and then when it pans over to me and Meg's, it's like storm and doom and thunder (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) i feel like that could be like um like if they were to do a commercial or something some type of advertisement for the illustrated books i feel like they could yeah. Do something like that. That's so funny to think about. Do you want your experience to be this? Yeah. Or do you want your experience to be this? Better. Even better. They're gonna make a TV show that's not I don't I don't want to say reality show like you know, like what everybody thinks of with reality show, but a show where the three of us happen to be the stars and it's about <laughs> people in the in the quote unquote real world who are consuming Harry Potter content. You know what I mean? Kind of like a meta version of a TV show about Harry Potter. And then that that'll be implemented into the TV show. Okay. I think that we need to write this and we need to get going with it. We just need, you know, a couple hundred million probably to make it happen. But as soon as we have that, then we can get going with it. So join the Patreon at patreon.com slash peachgabfest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're supporting <laughs> Our TV dreams. Let's, let's make Meigs' dream come true. <laughs> so, ring theory, and since we're still talking about spiders and stuff, ring theory. We need to make a little ring theory. Um, we need to make a little ring theory button that we can push that's like the James's tidbit segment, but then we need a ring theory one too. So, the ring theory for this chapter is Ron and Harry being trapped by a wall of spiders. And in chapter five, they were trapped by the physical wall of the barrier of Kring's Cross huh. Station. So because they were trying to escape, they looked back and they saw just this wall of spiders, which is a terrifying image to even think about. 
mm-hmm. even for somebody who's not afraid of spiders. But I mean, just like just that wall. But then they like look at the wall of the barrier that they can't get through. So this. Uh, just another speaking of the wall of spiders when i was reading the book i was having such a hard time imagining that because i'm thinking of just like spiders standing on top of each other forming a wall and then when i saw the movie and they were all coming down on their webs i was like that must be what they meant by a wall of spiders like they're just all hanging from their webs and it's more like a curtain of spiders than a wall of spiders but we don't need to get too technical here yeah, I was going to say, problems. should yeah. we just keep talking about our nightmares or? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, be- before we finish, I really want the TV show to go all out in this part, to be honest. I really want them to like really dive into what the book did and make it a lot more intense than. Yeah, you James, you're going to be covering first. this episode alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you heard it here first. James is trying really, really hard to give Sarah Day and I more nightmares. <laughs> I just want it to be a little bit more intense because I felt like uh-huh. the movie version was too, I don't know, calm. It, was no. just, it wasn't. Are you joking? <laughs> no, the... I'm not. <laughs> Take I'm it like... from the ladies with the arachnophobia. That scene is pretty, pretty scary. <laughs> nothing nothing could ever get me to use the word calm to describe a single aspect of that (laughs) (laughs) okay the way like all of um ron rupert grince's facial expressions in that scene is what i'm feeling internally (laughs) squeaking his Going through puberty, I feel like I would read puberty <laughs> if I was experiencing that. No, but to, yeah. for me, that's exactly what's going on. Is that the movie version is just like it's not too, it's not scary enough. I'm not feeling that I should be scared for their lives right now. This oh is like God. kind of boring, and like even the jump scare boring. of what the movie, the, the, <laughs> the jump scare doesn't really get me because it just the spider just comes out and like it's predictable. It just the spider comes in and Wait, just is you, like grabbing on. Oh, that part was stupid. The movie. I thought. Yeah, the yeah. open window, the open car window. When yeah, it's like grabbing Ron, and then through. Harry's yeah. like, yeah, that part was the spell. Yeah. I was kind of just like, this is not good enough. And then I read the book and I'm yeah, just like... Yeah, that part's really calm. The, the book is just like <laughs> way more intense. And so yeah. I want I to think- see them being like in front of the car being like, oh, we need to keep going. And then that's just all of a sudden snatched from like nowhere. And the spiders are like carrying them through the trees. And like Harry, oh, I, I do agree with out. them being captured in the very beginning. I that could be added because they just kind of nonchalantly walk into the spider's den. Right, I agree with you there. But after that point, it was totally scary. All the spiders <laughs> just like coming down from their webs. Okay, let me tell you first. The reason why I'm so scared of spiders, you know how in the book it says Ron, like his teddy bear was turned into a spider and that was like the start of his fear. Mine was we were driving to school and a spider comes down from like in front of my face on its web and scared the bejesus out of me. And I'm like five, six years old or something, you know, like I'm in elementary school. Um, So seeing them come down on their webs like that and it's all blue and scary and dark and they're all just like on their webs and creepy and crawling 
no, James, it's not boring. It's scary. <laughs> it's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm debating uh, whether or not I should tell my spider story. Oh, God. Tell it. Get it over with. Get it over with. I mean, it's my, kind my of funny. My blood pressure is already so high for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I, um, for those of you who don't know me and want to get to know me, you, I uh, am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and what they do with um, their young, the young youngins, when you're like 18, 19, 20 years old, you can choose to go on what is called a mission. Uh, and I chose to do that, so I was assigned to the country Chile. And uh, just to get you even started, the three most poisonous spiders in the world live in Chile. Mm. So let's just start with that. Uh, but I was in an area uh, that was a little bit more, um, fo- like had foliage. I was served mainly in the desert area, which is the northern part of Chile, which is like there's nothing there. Um, but I ended up going down a little bit more closer towards the center, uh, and had some, uh, it was a little bit more grassier tree, tree area filled with spiders. And we so happened to live in the backyard of a landlord. He had, he had his house, but in his backyard was like a smaller house that he rented out to us. Um, and it was right in the middle of just grass and trees and stuff. So you can imagine we had to deal with spiders a lot, right? Anyways, one day, me and my companion, my partner, because we always go in two, uh, we're never really by ourselves, me and my companion were sleeping, and we were just talking one night, and we decided to go to bed. stop now. And (laughs) I feel this crawling up my leg. It's just like this itching feeling, and I'm just like, what is this? I, something's like bothering me. And so I go in and I look and in my pant leg. No, no. There's a know. spider crawling up my leg. James. Uh, and I'm just, I, I freak out and I jump out of my bed. My companion doesn't know what's going on because I didn't tell him. Is it big? It was about like this size. Okay. Yeah. So for viewers, it's like a size of a quarter, maybe bigger than a quarter. Bigger than I'd want it to be. Anyways, I jump out of bed and throw my pants off. Like, no, all of it. I throw all of it off. Like, I'm completely yeah. butt naked in front of my companion who's, like, going, like, what the crap is going on? And I just throw my pants on the ground, just smashing it, just being like, ah, oh, this is just a die. <laughs> and he's, like, looking at me like I'm, like, the craziest person in the world. And I'm just like... There's a freaking spider crawling up on me, and we're just like, "What?" And he freaks out too. And we end up moving our beds away from the walls because that's somehow going to stop a spider from climbing onto our beds. <laughs> and we just like freaked out. But after that, I was kind of just like, "I'm always checking my clothes because of that, just that." I, well, it will be now. now. Even now, I just like I check my clothes before I put them on, and because I just like that's never going to happen again. James, you don't know that it's never going to happen again. So I'm glad that you're exactly. still checking your clothes. So I keep checking my clothes now. I have so many stories, not like that, with like the three most poisonous spiders in the world being inside of my pants, but like so many stories like that of encountering spiders in inconvenient times. And so I'm not going to go into all of them here, but um, 
I'm not a fan, you could say. And I'm really, really (laughs) jealous, actually, of people who like spiders or at least don't mind them. Like, I really, truly wish that I had that skill. Well, I totally just told the world about me being butt naked. So that's fine. That's on a podcast. That's never happened to anybody before. (laughs) Any other thoughts before we dive into our peace, pleasure, peace, peeve, and Weasley salute? I think I think we've uh, spiked exhausted Meigs's. our conversation. <laughs> I think you know, we spiked like, Meigs's blood blood pressure pretty enough. Yeah. Um, no, that's all that I had written down for notes. I've already said it. I didn't write down very much for this. So, uh, I mean, my notebook is completely blank except for the. Actually, I don't even. Well, I did finally write a, a pleasure, but yeah. my biggest my biggest complaint was not having. <clears throat> Ron's like moment of bravery and like showing us that he can overcome his fear in order to help his friends. And that's essentially, that was my biggest complaint. Other than that, I really think the adaptation was like, was good. Like I really like Aragog and like how they made him, um, like how they use uh, digital effects and physical effects. Like he, it was a combination of the two to make the spider. And I think that was really good. Uh, and like I liked the car coming back, and I liked you know Ron's little line of "Follow the spiders, follow the spiders." When Haggard gets out of prison, I'll kill him. And what was your peace pleasure? My pleasure. Um, it's a great question. I know it's it's a hard one. This chapter. Mine will have to be mine. Mine will have to be Ron's line: "Follow the spiders." That's always my favorite thing. I always like that line. The one I just said. So there you go. <laughs> Mine is um, Baby Dan and Baby Rupert and they're acting in this scene. I, that must have been, well, terrifying, but it must have been so fun for them to get to do lots of screaming and, you know, just a little different than what they normally get to do. I would have loved to see their reactions watching it back because oh, yeah. Rupert does such a good job of like the, the terrifying faces and stuff and Harry yeah. just ignoring him until he see, finally sees the spiders coming down. And then he's just like, well, goodbye then. And I just would, I would have loved to see their reactions to watching that scene play out. Yeah. It was really great. I agree. My pleasure was just putting Fang in like, including him. He was in the chapter and they included him in the film too, even though he doesn't have much to do in either. Oh, can we say the fact that this is Ron's first time in the Forbidden Forest? Right. Because in the book, like in the movie adaptation, we don't know that because Ron's been in it with them because he was in it. it he went in, in, place, went of in, in place of Neville. Uh, and so technically this is his second time in the movies. But in reality, this is his first time. He's never been in there. And then all of a sudden he has to follow the spiders. That like continues to like support this like whole bravery arc, and they just kind of overstep that. So this is Ron's first time in the Forbidden Forest. He has heard all these stories, and then he goes in and follows the most dangerous thing he thinks of uh, imaginable. Uh, yet he still does it in, for Hermione and everybody else. So I don't know. More justice for Ron, basically. That's the title of this episode. Justice for Ron. Justice for Hufflepuffs, actually. Um, what was your peeve peeve? My peeve peeve is that stupid jump scare. <laughs> it's so it's the dumbest thing in the world. Every time yeah. it happens and I'm watching it, I'm just like, that is so fake. 
like they only put and it doesn't even happen in the book it like they only put it in there to be a jump scare i bet it doesn't work at all because it's just so it it just feels so fake especially like with ron going back and forth being like oh help me help me like and then also (laughs) yeah Exactly. And then uh, Harry pulls up his wand because he's going to do the spell. And he goes from one side of the window and moves his head to the other side of the window. So Harry has a clear shot. But it's like you've been struggling this whole time. But now all of a sudden you can move like out of the way. Silly. Meeks, what's your peeve's peeve? <sighs> My peeve is, well, I also hate the jump scare. I think it's so stupid. Um, but I wrote down taking out the montage of just life at Hogwarts at the beginning. What's yours, Sarah Day? Yes. Um, other than cutting the Hufflepuffs and cutting the car arriving first, taking out the line, it's the very last line of the chapter, sort of, of, you know, who died in the bathroom, Myrtle. And they took that out of this part. And and the kind of cliffhanger of the scene is Hagrid didn't do the crime, which they talked about in the chapter two. But we're probably going to talk about the line of Myrtle being the one that was killed by the creature when we cover the next chapter. Because um, I believe they do talk about it in the film. They do. Um, but it's just not in this adaptation. So it's... I mean, it's fine, but it's, you know, that's the cliffhanger of the chapter and it gets you excited to go to the next chapter that like, oh my gosh, we, we've been introduced to this new ghost. And of course, how did we not piece that together yet? Um, And I'll, I'll be interested to see how I feel next week when we cover the next chapter and hopefully that portion of the film to see if I feel like it's been... Over like it's just kind of shoved in there into the dialogue or not, um, because if I'm remembering correctly, they're in with Hermione. They find the note which explains the basilisk, the pipes, and then they talk about Myrtle. And so I feel like that's just going to get kind of not brushed under the rug per se, but it's just going to be bundled in with all this other stuff, and it's not going to have the same impact that it does. Because I this think chapter. immediately after that, they they hear an announcement saying there's another attack. Yes. And then they discover that Jenny's been taken into the Chamber of Secrets. Right. So I just don't think that um, – I guess it just doesn't do Myrtle justice, like her character and her death justice of having that, like, sink in, you know? Yeah. I get it. Okay, James, who are you saluting? I am saluting the car. <laughs> one That's because One, because the car is amazing. The fact that it can just live in the Forbidden Forest – on its own without any help from any of the outside world shows that it can it can take care of itself and i appreciate that but also because the movie did it really well i think that's like one of my favorite practical effects is the car uh in that just like how they're able to make it feel like an like a, a live animal to make it this this um an inanimate object that we use every day and then just make it feel like it's a it's a living breathing creature magically mm-hmm. just kind of is just shows like the interesting 
little tidbits of the magical world and like how Arthur Weasley just brought this car to life basically. And now it's living in the forbidden forest. And so I feel like the movie did a really good job doing this like practical effects of bringing that car to life. The deleted scene does a really good job of showing it kind of being all feral and stuff, but still kind to like Harry and Ron. Like it doesn't like look like it wants to attack them. It's just kind of like, Oh, hello there. Um, but it, like you look at it and it kind of looks like it's going hur, hur, like at you kind of scenario. It's kind of funny. Anyways, <laughs> I really liked it. And I thought that's a really good practical effect done by a lot of people who put in a lot of effort to bring that car to life. Um, mine was just the the design, even though I hate spiders, which we've already gone over, but the design <laughs> of Aragog and the CGI, like that whole yeah. scene, they did such a good job with it. And unfortunately, the CGI has only gotten better and more clear. So the spiders are going to be very vivid <laughs> for the TV yeah. show. On that note, do you guys want the spiders to talk? They do in the book. So yeah. Because in the movies, the only Aragog talks, oh. right? But in the book, if you have one of the spiders who captured them talking to Aragog and saying, "Like, hey, yeah. we captured these men. What do you want us to do with them?" Like, so do you I guys need want to the other spiders English, to talk? But I would like to see it be some like I would like to see communication of some sort, but it doesn't need to be in English. I Aragog should be in English, of course, but yeah, I don't think his children need to necessarily speak English. Interesting. Okay. Why don't you answer your own question, James? I really want to see it, but I, you know, coming from you guys who have expressly decided to like be against spiders. Um, Hold on. Expressly does that decided make... to be against them. <laughs> <laughs> that came out Back wrong. It up, James. <laughs> <laughs> that came out wrong. I don't know. Like expressly, de- like expressly said that they are afraid of spiders. Like, does that m- like the, does the idea of talking <laughs> spiders? Be, I just like, love the idea of like being more and fearful I in a field I chatting and saying, you know yeah. what? We should not like spiders. <laughs> okay. Okay. We won't <laughs> like spiders. <laughs> Deciding to be against them right now. <laughs> be against spiders now. I don't know what I was saying there. That just came out of my mouth. I don't know what was going on. I was trying to find words and they just, those weren't the right ones. That was so funny. All right. I just um, wanted to know if they if that effect would make it a little bit more intimidating and you wouldn't want to like see that kind of scenario. No, as I people think who that are afraid speaking of them. would make it less realistic, <laughs> so less scary. People who are afraid of them. <laughs> well, obviously like I'm not. I don't want them like on me because crawling on me. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you a hard time. I know what you're saying, but it just sounds like like you're like we're people from a certain country who because we don't like <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyways, that I would like to see it, but I just wanted to know your opinions. My salute is Rupert Grint's acting and we've we've already talked about that, so we don't need to go into more detail. Fine. 
So thank you for (laughs) joining our conversation today about spiders. Next time, we will be discussing Chapter 16, The Chamber of Secrets. This is an hour and 51 minutes to just under two hours of the film. James, where can everybody find you? They can find me at James M. Beltran uh, on Instagram or TikTok. Doesn't necessarily matter which one. Choose one even. I don't know. (laughs) Choose even. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can find me on Instagram at Megan, M-E-G-A-N underscore Lachowski, L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. And then from there, you can find all of my other projects. And you can find me, Sarah Day, on Instagram at Captain – is it Captain.McD? Oh, my gosh. I say this every week and I've forgotten. Yes. Um, it's Captain.McD, and that's M-C-D-E-E. And you can find the podcast on Instagram <laughs> and TikTok at Peeves' Gap Fest. Don't forget to subscribe, please, to the podcast wherever you listen. And please, please, please give us a five-star review. If you're as mischievous as we are, please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash Gabfest. If you have any feedback, please leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or email us at PeevesGabFest at gmail.com. Also, come join the discussion in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Gabfest. Until next time, Ickle Firsties. Goodbye, friends of Hagrid.